The battle of wizards and warriors continues with iron swords. The evil wizard Malkil will take the shape of the earth, wind, water, and fire. Farewell! The fate of the world is in your hands! You're listening to the Piercing Wizard Podcast, and I'm your host, Ryan Willett. I'm a professional body piercer with 20 years experience, I travel around the world teaching technique and safety classes, and I'm a member of the Association of Professional Piercers. Listen in as I talk to my friends and colleagues about our industry so we can all stay sharp. Hello, welcome back to another episode of the show. Uh, Exciting Destiny 2 news for me. I got to beat the raid last night. My friends dragged me through it, uh, made me memorize a billion things, and now I'm going to just hear, like, cups and dogs and axes and just for the next week. That's all I'm going to be able to think about. I'm getting ready to leave for uh, my trip, so this is going to be the last scheduled show before I get back. I'll be talking to Mike Hill today, uh, an instructor from the UK. Um, I've known about Mike for for quite a while. You know, he was on BME and IM. You know, we talked a little bit, but we didn't really talk uh, too, too much. And now that the UK APP community is really kind of gelling together, you know, Mike is always there. He's always involved. And uh, it was great to see him uh, teaching a class this year. So he, he talked about... Uh, Going fully disposable in your studio, you know, nothing getting reprocessed at all. Uh, Then we kind of branch off and we talk about how to get titanium and and gold moving in your studio. Uh, We talk about the growth of the the UK APP. So it's a good conversation. It's a long conversation. Um, One of my my favorite memories about Mike is at the UK APP seminars last year, we were kind of chatting near the end of the conference and, uh, you know, he asked me if I was getting ready to fly home. And I said, no, I'm going to be sticking around in London. I, I got a ticket to see uh, Harry Potter and the Cursed Child. And he was like, oh, you know, no, no, no joke. I'm going to be there too. And uh, so we kind of, you know, bumped into each other at the show. I got to meet his lovely wife, Lucy. Hello, Lucy, if you're listening. Um, we saw the show and then we ended up getting like lunch together in between. And it just made the day a, a little bit more special. You know, it was nice to, to really make some friends uh, and, and not just have like an acquaintance that you're just kind of like bumping into at, at a show. So let's get into that conversation with Mike, and I'll be back after that. Um, I'm Mike Hill. I own and work in Broad Street Studio in Bath, UK, and my Instagram is at justanotherpiercer, and yeah, feel free to get in touch. Okay. So uh, you just, was today your first time instructing? It was. Yeah. Yeah, my first time teaching anything. How did that go? It was fun. It was tough. Um, I'm not a good public speaker. I get really nervous yeah. um, doing any sort of public speaking. Yeah. Um, but being in a room full of peers who are there to support and learn and help mm-hmm. is much less nerve-wracking than, like, we all kind of know each other, whether yeah. it's just from online, so that makes it yeah. a little bit easier. I think we, you can get through that line where it's like, okay, I'm not talking to total strangers, yeah. I'm talking to people I know, yeah. colleagues, things like that. It makes it a bit easier. Yeah, and you know that even if you say something that someone doesn't agree with, mm-hmm. we're going to talk about it. You're not going to yeah. have someone go, you're an idiot. They're not going to tear know what you apart or dismiss yeah. you. It's like, we yeah. have a difference of opinion, let's listen and figure out stuff and luckily I didn't really have too much of that I think most people that came like we were talking about disposable piercing so I think most people that came in don't do that at the moment Mm -hmm. um, which is fine Um, so when when it comes to disposable piercing for people that aren't familiar with it like how would you kind of distill that down into like a short description of the the subject it is literally as simple as everything gets thrown away or given to a client basically when you finish the setup or a piercing everything's gone Mm -hmm. there's no Keeping stuff no reprocessing. Yeah. Nothing sits in a dirty tool bin. Yeah. So yeah. you you know you, you, everything's gone. That's mm-hmm. the, the simplest way of putting it. Yeah. There's, there's no, no leftovers in your studio. Right. Uh, I, I think a lot of people that do fully disposable. I don't know too many people that do that. Honestly, I, not to say that in a negative. I just think that some people 
uh, can't necessarily afford it or lo- the logistics that go into it. Yeah. Um, so you and, and Jeff Saunders are probably the, the largest proponents that I, that I know of for, for disposable. Um, and I know that with Jeff, at least, there are a lot of like workarounds. It's not like you're buying all these expensive tools and throwing them away. Yep. There are lots of alternatives that yeah. are much more affordable to people that can be easily thrown away without feeling bad. Yeah, so the bulk of my talk was um, using needle blanks or little transfer pins, mm-hmm. stylet wire, to kind of replace a lot of what you'd be spending money on. The tapers so, and all that. Yeah, tapers, insertion right. pins for reversing direction mm-hmm. or buying fancy receiving tubes that I don't think you need when you can just use a blank. Right. And they're costing 10 cents, mm-hmm. 15 cents, mm-hmm. um, or pennies in our yeah. money. Yeah. Um, so it is, it's definitely workarounds, but you've also got things like, there's companies like Snaptile mm-hmm. producing cheap disposable clamps if yep. you want to carry using clamps, mm-hmm. but also ISLLC and other disposable medical manufacturers who will make sterile prepackaged hemostats and, and you know anything like Pennington's and stuff mm-hmm. that cost less than a fiver. Yeah. And I don't see the the kind of downside of throwing them away because you know the, one of the things I talked about was marking that up into your cost price. Mm-hmm. So the piercing fee absorbs all that cost. Yeah. yeah. And you can even make money on it. Like mm-hmm. if you're if you're using a taper and you're giving it to your client, mm-hmm. sell it to them. Yeah. Make, make money. Well, make I, I, I think some studios just they'll sell those things anyway like hey, you know, yeah. here are the things that you need to be able to change your jewelry at home and I think um, you know, if you can have that absorbed into your piercing fee and then give it away, it, 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 it feels better. more like value added rather yeah. than I have to buy an extra thing. It's like, oh, I get this extra thing. Yeah, that it, has it seems like a free prize right. at the right. end of your, your piercing. Yeah. And, and like a keepsake, you know, a memento, yeah. if they get and, a hemostat or something. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, yeah, there's some things I don't give away. Mm-hmm. And again, I like, cause I've never seen, like, why does a client need a pair of split Penningtons? Right. Um, but you can still put the cost into your cost price. Mm-hmm. I mean, don't necessarily make money on it, is yeah. what I said. Because if yeah. you're not getting it, I don't But don't like, lose money. But on it. Exactly. Yeah. You know, the, you can still build it in because ultimately, especially here in the UK, the people that are at this conference and, and kind of the peers using industry standard jewelry and, and trying to get higher quality piercings are more expensive. Mm hmm. And people know this. So yeah. people don't mind that extra three quid. Right. Especially if it's for the safety of knowing that none of this was ever used on someone else. Yes. Yeah. That's my big sell yeah. um, when I'm talking to clients. It's a case of, you know, we can go through my sterilization process. I'll show you statins mm-hmm. and you know, steam cleaners and anodizers right. and why we do all this. Yeah. And then I can just go, but none of this has ever touched anyone. Right. You know, it's never touched a bare hand. Right. It's prepared with gloves. It's, mm-hmm. it's, you know, you don't ever have to worry about a slight risk of cross-contamination right. because it just isn't there. Mm-hmm. So if I misprocessed something, which is very, very easy to do. Yeah. Um, that, that risk is that risk, pretty much eliminated. Exactly. Yeah. And a lot of pieces are doing their own processing mm-hmm. and that's great. They're probably doing it 100% right because they're the ones that know what they're doing. Mm-hmm. But they're wasting a lot of their time. Whether yeah. it's their free time after work or in the mornings. Um, in which case I love my free time. I have yeah. a wife. I want to go home and see her. Mm-hmm. I don't want to stay in the studio till nine o'clock scrubbing things. Exactly. Um, yeah. But also, if you're paying someone to do it, they could f*** up. Mm-hmm. You know, they probably won't because hopefully you're the one that's taught them and right. know what they're doing right. they've spent a long but time. But still, there's that room for human error. Yeah. And when you just have a brand new item that's never been used, that all you really have to do is sterilize it. Yeah. And then you can th- either throw it away or give it to the client. That error's gone. Yeah. 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 Um, and you know, we talked a lot about, a lot of people freak out and think you need to buy a five grand statin mm-hmm. to do that. You don't. You can do it out of a chamber autoclave yep. and that's absolutely fine. Yep. You know, as long as you don't have the dirty room side of things. Yeah. 
you're good. Well, I remember when um, when Jeff opened his second Rockstar location. That was his first fully disposable studio. And I went and I checked it out while it was still kind of being built. And he, he gave me the tour and he's like, oh, and this is, this is my sterilization room. And it was basically just a, a completely clean area with just autoclave and a, and a packaging surface. You know, yeah. it, it did, you didn't have to have all this uh, barriers and PPE and, and all these things because that, that risk was just eliminated yeah. by doing it. It makes sense. I think a lot of people, all they see is, um, well, it's going to cost more. Well, it's going to cost more. But you got to think that like a lot of these tools, like if you're buying them in, in huge amounts of bulk, because you're going to be giving them away or throwing them away, um, it, it kind of comes out to a similar price if you're buying a low quantity and keeping them and reprocessing uh, them. Yeah, I, I mean, I think that the, the that side of things, the price of things, doesn't really mount up to a lot more, if anything, in my experience. Yeah. Especially if you're working freehand, that mm -hmm. makes things a lot cheaper. Right. Um, the big thing for me, as far as money goes, is I can make a fair bit of money in two hours, mm -hmm. which I was spending processing my stuff. Yeah. At least two hours, I think. Mm -hmm. It was, you know, by the time you've gone through Sonics and bagging and right. drying, right. It's, it's a long time that I could be making a lot of money. I mean, my example in my class was if I spend two hours in a morning bagging stuff and putting in an autoclave, mm -hmm. those two hours I could have done at the minimum two earlobe piercings right. with basic jewelry, right. which I charge £25 each for. Right. That's 50 quid mm -hmm. that I haven't earned. Right. And that's more than, lost, the, cost than of... the cost of anything. Right. Right. Um, so that's the way I look at it. Mm -hmm. um, and then the other side of things is if you're working in a small space, you don't need a processing room. Mm -hmm. And if you've only got this, like a lot of piercers want to step out on their own, they can't afford shop rents, things yeah. like that. If you can get this tiny little kiosky type mm -hmm. room that you can clean and make into a beautiful piercing studio, right. you don't need the, the secondary processing studio. You, exactly. you can have your nice little space mm -hmm. with your little autoclave, mm -hmm. steam cleaner, anodizer, you've got yep. everything you need. Right. Ultrasonic if you want an ultrasonic. Right. Um, yeah, so I, I just think there's a lot of benefits to it, um, especially from a, like, a solo piercer. Like, I yeah. don't have help I don't have it's mm -hmm. just me I would imagine that um, the, the techniques have to be like adapted or evolved to, to be able to, to work that way I know that if I went and, and worked at a fully disposable studio I might I might feel strange because I fall back on things like threaded tapers and, and stuff like that from time to time you know pretty occasionally on, on some things uh, well, I'm not saying don't use them yeah but you're just saying don't reprocess them yeah so like do you have other like tips and tricks for something threaded or would you just you, you would just be using a threaded taper and just be be tossing it it depends what I'm using it for so okay. um if I'm reopening a wound for example not not a wound but yeah if I'm reopening a closed piercing right that's shrunk down a lot then yeah a taper is the only way of doing that mm -hmm. you can't go using a needle blank to right. kind of jam it in there right um so yeah so I'll use a taper and offer it to the client because mm -hmm. they're going to find it super handy yeah. when they want to change their jewelry and mm -hmm. I found it actually can help increase jewelry sales when people know how to change their own jewelry right. and I, I personally don't charge for a jewelry change mm -hmm. um, if someone comes in and buys jewelry from me I'll change it for free yeah. for, whenever even if I, they're just bringing I do the same there. thing but you know I, I, I crossed a certain line where sometimes people would I wouldn't really say take advantage of it but sometimes they would come in every week and yeah. they would have their you know, oh can you change this can you change this can you change this and yeah. after a certain point then it was it like gets, well Five dollars, you know, yeah. like, like not nothing outrageous, but yeah. But the other way, of, uh, I'd much rather someone had their beautiful collection of jewelry and came right. in and bought one of them and knew how to change it safely exactly. at home. Yeah. So by supplying them with those tools, mm -hmm. even ball grabbers, um, if anyone uses them, or the little uh, microdermal like the disc holding tools, yeah. Yeah. can be really handy. Even mm -hmm. Getting into like a conch piercing, yeah. Changing them yourself is tricky. Mm -hmm. Even and I've been piercing fifteen years, I struggle changing my own conch piercing. Yeah, yeah. Um, so having the tools, I think, can be very beneficial to a client, mm -hmm. and it can help them come back and go, well, "I know how to fit this now, so I'm going to buy 
loads of them. Right. Hopefully. Right. Um, so well, yeah. if somebody comes in, let's say down the road, and they need a jewelry change that's you know maybe complicated, you need two or three tools to, to change their jewelry. Um, like, what would your what would your what would your pricing structure be like? That would you still be changing it for free and absorbing the cost yourself? Um, well, no, because if I'm if I'm using tools that I'm giving them, mm-hmm. then they're coming in and they're purchasing the tools. Ultimately. Right. Okay. They're um, purchasing the tools and you're applying them for yeah. free. If okay. they if they brought their own tools in mm-hmm. that they from a previous change, yeah. then totally I'll change it for nothing. And okay. I always make sure if they've got a little bag of tapers, like mm-hmm. keep hold of this because yeah. it's super handy when you're coming back. Yeah. And you can just use everything. Do you ever get worried that there's the potential for maybe they're bringing in their friend's taper and you 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 maybe don't keep track because I I had a couple issues in my studio where um, I had to make a hard, fast rule where, I, I'm sorry, but I, I won't. Changing jewelry is a little bit different, but if someone wants to get re-pierced and they have their own jewelry, even if it's something that a brand that I know that I sell, I won't reuse their posts for any reason because yeah. sometimes people will trade with their friends and things I, like I that. I won't reuse posts even if I know it sold them to them Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. for a fresh piercing. Yeah, but what, uh, what about like a taper or something like that? Would you feel confident? Because would you, you wouldn't be able to reprocess it in that case. No, but I feel like a tape is going in and coming out. And mm-hmm. you know, when I give it to them in a bag, I do sign and mark the bag. Okay. So I, I know it's, there's still a risk that they could obviously. Yeah, just well, put their I mean, there's a risk with anything. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I'd like to think my clients aren't doing that. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, there is obviously yeah, that risk. Maybe a few bad eggs, but not. It's not going to be an epidemic. Yeah, and yeah. also I'd like you know we're not changing jewelry that would not be part of a change down mm-hmm. on a healing piercing, mm-hmm. you know. This would be something that you're doing on a fully healed piercing where I think right. there's minimal risk. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would still clean stuff. You can yeah. still clean stuff right. uh, without replacing Alcohol wipe and then... Yeah. yeah. Um, so I'd like to think that's going to kind of minimize mm-hmm. any risk on a healed piercing of, of right. going completely tits up. Yeah, makes sense. So um, what about some of the people that talk about like environmental impact of disposable piercing? I, I touched on this and I I don't think I, I need to do a bit more research into it, but the way I looked at it is the amount of stuff that we're wearing and throwing away processing things like you're covered in plastic mm-hmm. um so you've got your your bib uh, or apron um gauntlets gloves mask arm sleeves arm sleeves if you, you know, shoe things right um if you're wearing if you've got a big beard you're wearing something over your beard mm-hmm. i imagine hair nets all this stuff right that's not particularly good to be putting in a bin right and i don't think we should be recycling contaminated yeah. products. Well, no, absolutely not. Yeah. Um, and then there's also chemicals involved with reprocessing. Yeah, so you've got all your enzymatic foams, mm-hmm. your ultrasonic solutions, and all of them do say hazardous to the environment. Right. As far as I'm aware, all of them, if not the ones I've been using. And we're pouring them down the sink daily, mm-hmm. if not multiple times a day. Right. You know, we don't have other ways of disposing them. I don't think many people are using powders and stuff to put it in and put it in bins. I think right. most people just dump it in the sink. Mm-hmm. And that's a big environmental factor, more so, I think, than filling a shark's bin up slightly more. Right. Or filling right. up a clinical waste sack. Well, plus, uh, you're, you're filling it up with metal that will biodegrade. Well, no, it's oh. when, as far as I'm aware, and I may be wrong on this, when all our sharps are put in, the metal's taken out, and it's smelted down and reused. Okay. I think, it, okay. it as far as I'm aware, it is all recycled, the yeah. metal side of things. So okay. I feel like that's much better for yeah. the environment. Yeah, more of a benefit. Yeah, we okay. might throw away slightly more... I don't know, gauze or, mm-hmm. yeah, as I said, we'll fill up our, all our bins more, we'll use more plastic bags. Yeah, um, but I mean, it's, it's 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 reasonable, you know, you're not throwing away like mountains of extra plastic. Exactly. You're probably throwing away less. Yeah, yeah. I'd say definitely say less plastic and less chemicals. Mm-hmm. And I think they're the biggest impacts to our environment right. rather than <clears throat> slightly more stuff in a clinical waste bin. So what are the items that are going to go in the trash versus in the sharps? Uh, it depends what you're using. So in the bin, I would be throwing just the plastic snap tool. Mm-hmm. Um, anything that has a potential to puncture 
your clinical waste sacks should be going in a sharp spin. Mm-hmm. So you might need a bigger sharp spin. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're using uh, metal hemostats and not giving them to the client, mm-hmm. then it's a small risk that they'll puncture your bag, but they, they could. Right. And then that's a big mess you don't want to be cleaning up. Mm-hmm. So just put them in a sharp spin. Yeah. And yeah, as and said, that'll help ensure that they get smelted and recycled. Eventually. Yeah, exactly. And a blank right. is the same size as a needle. Mm-hmm. Tape is the same size as a needle. They're not going to fill it up that much more dramatically. Right. You know, clamps can definitely do that. Um, you know, fill it up a lot quicker, mm-hmm. but you can get two sharp spins. Right. There's nothing wrong with having one for your clamps that you're getting right. changed more regularly and yeah. a little one for your needles that you, you yeah. just keep there for months until mm-hmm. it's full. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that's the way I've, I've kind of split it. So I've got, I mean, I have two, I don't use too many clamps, metal mm-hmm. ones these days, but yeah. I used to have three when I was using metal and so I just dumped them in there. Okay. So how do the clients seem to respond? Clients really like the, the kind of goodie mm-hmm. at the end of it, the, the right. free thing. And as my biggest thing, I mean, most clients don't ask about the cleanliness of things. They trust you. They right. believe that you're doing things properly. But the biggest one I've noticed are parents coming in with their kids Mm -hmm. or a lot of the time when it's just a spectator a family member or friend they're the ones that are looking around at the different things and and saying you know asking if everything's new Mm because they can see you getting them out of of new packaging um but they seem to like the fact that they know exactly where everything's come from yeah and that there's that that room for error has gone Mm -hmm. like when you say there is no risk of cross-contamination here that's an instant smile on a face Mm -hmm. Um, you know, we can guarantee you're not going to leave it with hepatitis right, right. because I haven't processed this properly and right. the last person had it. Right. You know, it's eliminating that risk when people talk about it, mm-hmm. when people want to know, is great. And I, I don't know if it brings more people in because they just talk about it on the website. Well, I think one of the, the positive things that you usually hear in a studio is, oh, it's great. They opened everything right in front of me. And, start, and if you can add that extra level of none of this has ever been used on anyone else, it's used on you and then that's it. Yeah. You know, I, I think that, that that can be a pretty positive thing for it's, clients. I, I definitely think it's a nice touch. Mm-hmm. You know, People just want things to be as clean as possible. Right. And I think that is a way of guaranteeing everything is as clean as possible with minimum effort. Because mm-hmm. you know, to get things as clean as possible processing it, it's a lot of effort, right? Whether it's right. you or your counter staff, right. or your, if you have separate. And if you want to reduce that effort, that's where it gets really expensive with reprocessing something like a hydrum or even yeah, certain yeah, ultrasonics. They're like seven thousand. Yeah, think, for, for a hydrum. Yeah, so um, it's either the trade off on like money or time, but you have to put in resources if you're going to reprocess. Yeah, um, exactly. And it's not just the initial buying of something. You've got to be doing all your ultrasonic foil tests. Mm-hmm. Um, you've got to be getting your hydrum service regularly. Right. And stuff like Very this. regularly. Yeah, yeah. Whereas I've got a statim which I service yearly. Mm-hmm. And I do the majority of preventative maintenance myself. Right. Because um, you can phone lovely people like Brian and he tells you how to fix things. Yeah, yeah. Um, so th- there are a lot of benefits. I mean, if a steam cleaner breaks, fuck it, you get a new steam cleaner. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's yeah. not the end of the world. Right, right. Um, and that's literally just a clean display jewelry before mm-hmm. you, you do it. So I, I find it's, it's just so much easier. And I can spend my time piercing. Right. I get to work at 10, well, half nine, clean mm-hmm. the studio. And then pierce. Right. Go home at six. I'm not there. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense that if you have, let's say, eight hours in in eight business hours in a day, would you rather spend eight hours servicing clients or would you rather spend six hours servicing clients and two hours dealing with reprocessing instruments? And also, you run the risk, unless you have a lot of tools, Mm -hmm. you can run out. Yeah. You can have a busy day where all of a sudden you've got no Penningtons. Yeah. And you don't feel comfortable doing. Uh, tragus piercing right without them i think that's where um statums and, and hydrums really started to get their their hold in in the market yeah. is because people were just like well i can't spend a half a day reprocessing tools i need to be able to like bam 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 get it yeah. done or buy four times the amount of tools that i need yeah, yeah. there's you know there's nothing worse than having a hundred sets of clamps and then to either never use them yeah 
or to run out. Right. You know, you, you either buy too much or too little. And mm-hmm. if you like, I've been halfway through a Saturday, but back when I was using tools and literally gone, I've got nothing mm-hmm. to use because I've been rammed this morning. Yeah. So I've now got to spend my lunch break cleaning. And, and it makes sense if you're a higher volume studio too, that rather than having drawers and drawers and drawers full of pre-sterilized material, you can just grab something out of a bulk drawer yep. and run it through a statum. And it's like, bam, yep. I've got it ready. And because with my studio, I'm using predominantly uh, blanks and, and snap tiles, which are tiny. Mm-hmm. And I've, I've just got the typical kind of toolbox drawers yep. that most pieces seem to keep their jewelry in. Mm-hmm. And everything fits in them. So I don't need big drawers right. for, for many things at all. Right. Um, so it just saves on space. And mm-hmm. I've got a nice little piercing room with uh, just practical things. Yeah. I don't have one drawer full of Penningtons, mm-hmm. one full of Foresters. And, right. Um, I just find it a lot easier to I know where everything is. And mm-hmm. It's small. It's clean. It's, yeah. Is there an alternative for the people that like to use septum clamps? Is there a, a good disposable I've, option other than throwing up? Other than throwing clamps? them away, I haven't found a good. Okay. So uh, there's like, no like snap tile version of a No, not, not to my knowledge, not mm-hmm. yet, but... That might be a good suggestion. Yeah, it might be worth speaking yeah, to them. That might be what it would. That might be the line that would take me to, to, to cross over to disposable. Yeah, I mean, I don't use septum clamps. I use a, yeah. a tube. So mm. yeah, that might be worth. But then you might be able to make one with a round snap tile for two receiving tubes in. Yeah, yeah, maybe. I don't know. That's a lot of work. I'm pretty lazy. Yeah, <laughs> but there's always ways. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I definitely notice a lot of creativity with the disposable people. Like um, some of the stuff that Jeff does with like different telescoping blanks inside of blanks to recreate tapers and yeah, so connectors we, and all we that. We went through the, that I brought samples for everyone to, to take away of blank sizes. So I went through all the different sizes to make this thread fit this blank and this needle and this mm-hmm. piece of jewelry. Because um, everything's slightly different. Yeah. You've got to find stuff that's a smooth connection rather mm-hmm. than... Wobbly. Yeah, back right. when I first started doing it, it was very much grab a 16 gauge blank with a 26 gauge blank and mm-hmm. it'll wobble its way through a piercing. Yeah. That's not comfortable. Right. Um, but yeah, telescoping, which I stole from many a person mm-hmm. on uh, public forums, yeah. is fantastic. It, it's, you get this nice, smooth connection, and it's great for reversing the angle of a piercing. Mm-hmm. Like If you're not confident doing an inside-out tragus, you can pierce that way, and then you can still put your nice near metal end on um, and just go backwards into it without right. using a taper. Yeah, I remember when I started going into more freehand techniques, and uh, you know, I was still... I, I was eliminating clamps and receiving tubes and things like that, but I was still using a lot of connector tapers. Um, and, and sometimes I would just have a, a dirty bin full of like 40, you know, and then I got to the point where I was like, oh, I, I need more of these. I need more of these pin tapers and more of these blah, blah, blah. And then just getting down to just the disposable connector wire yeah. was a huge thing for me because now I can just have a, a bag of 500 of them yeah. and I can just pull them, run them right through the statum with my needle and jewelry, do that, and then I have nothing to reprocess. Yeah, it's great. That's, that's been definitely one of the, the biggest things as far as time saving goes, mm. as well as, I mean, it's not a massive shift on cost savings. It's yeah. Probably, you know, it's a lot cheaper than a taper, but right. tapers are still very cheap. Yeah, well, tapers are very cheap until it gets to the point where, you know, you need... 30 or 40 in stock and a lot of them (laughs) accidentally end up in the sharps container or go down a drain in the sink in the processing room and then you have to rebuy them and all that stuff. It's way easier. Just just have connector pins, toss them, that's it. Yeah, Yeah. I'm a big fan uh, of of just making stuff out of blanks Mm -hmm. and and transfer pins. Um, Like you said, you can have thousands of them Mm -hmm. and they're not going to go off. Right. You just keep them in your little drawer and they don't take up any room and Mm -hmm. yeah, just run it through a statum or if you're making prep packs, throw it in your prep pack. yeah, there's, there's loads of ways you can kind of just make them work for you. Do you need any sort of like um, processing of, of new tools? Like if you buy in a bulk of hemostats, you know, do they have 
oils on them from the from the factory from the manufacturing process that you have to clean first or or do you feel confident like you could take it right out of a shipping package and right into your statum i think that would depend on who you're dealing with right company wise i think there's definitely some a lot in the uk there's a few places using pre-sterilized stuff mm -hmm. um so hemostats and stuff like that come pre-cleaned and pre-sterilized yeah. which eliminates all that mm -hmm. but yeah have a steam cleaner blast everything with a steam cleaner right and then yeah, or you can if you want to use an ultrasonic, print it through an ultrasonic. But yeah. it's, it's still less time than mm -hmm. than processing. Right. Yeah, definitely. Uh, just giving it a quick clean. For well, because if you had the process, you know, you, like like in my studio, uh, this is probably gonna make you think that I'm a, an idiot for for doing this. When I think some some piercers will will listen to someone making an argument for disposable and being like, oh, they must be a millionaire or <laughs> they must be a fool or something. But then when I explain my reprocessing to someone who is disposable, they're like, why would you want to do that in the first place? So. Um, we would take a, a dirty tool and put it into a bin, and then we would spray it with an enzymatic foam. It would have to sit there for X amount of time. Then uh, when we move it into the... Then we have to transport contaminated materials yeah, into the next room over. sometimes. Well, for me, it's foam, but yeah, I can totally understand yeah. if it's liquids. You know, you have to have all that PPE, which is plastic that goes in the garbage, which is plastic you have to buy that goes in the garbage. Then it would land in a sink. You'd have to soak it for X amount of time. Comes out, and this is all with different sets of PPE that you have to pay for and dispose of. Uh, then you have to inspect it, then into the ultrasonic, time in the ultrasonic, then again you rinse and inspect with new PPE on, then it dries for you know hours or maybe overnight, um, then you have to package it with, with PPE on, and yeah. then it has to go in the sterilizer, and then this and that. So yeah, um, the, the more I hear it explained in a simple way by someone like you or someone like Jeff, you know, it, it makes me realize that that's probably way, the way the industry is going. I would say that you're both kind of ahead of the curve and that it might take a little while for the industry to catch up to you. But I, I definitely think that you can start bringing a lot of people around to that, that way yeah, of Yeah, I mean, I think, I mean, you've obviously got someone doing your processing. Oh yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But I have to pay them to do it. That's what I was just about, yeah, yeah. Like, I don't, I mean, I'm busy, Yeah. but I'm not, I don't want to pay someone. Right. <laughs> yeah, I've got a mortgage to pay for. Mm -hmm. I'd much rather be paying that yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, yeah. than a member of staff, which I don't feel like I need other than it would be good if I was processing stuff. Mm -hmm. I don't feel like I need counter staff. Right. Um, people hang around, they look at jewelry, yeah. they tend to buy stuff if they're yeah. just looking at pretty things. Mm -hmm. So I, I, you know, I don't, you know, there's always someone about to Are you appointment it. only in your no. studio? No? no so I, you can handle? I'm pretty so, much walking only. So what happens if somebody walks in and you're in the middle of a piercing? Uh, luckily all the tattooists are downstairs, so okay. they're all very, you can't go to that area, right. but they'll shout over and just say, oh, Michael, we're down in a minute, just okay. have, a, have a look around. Sure. I don't think I lose many yeah. good clients because of that. Yeah, um, in my studio I, I wouldn't. Just, just with the layout, you know, because there'd be no one looking at the front counter, and that's yeah. where all the display cases are and all that. So I, I'm kind of, I have to with my Yeah, studio. I mean, people could totally come in. We have got all our display cases there. Theoretically, mm -hmm. they could come in and nick everything, but we do have CCTV. Well, locks help too. And locks. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah. yeah, unless someone's going to come in and start smashing things, mm -hmm. um, I'm not too worried about theft. Right. Um, I, it, it's a shame if someone comes in and doesn't want to hang around. Mm -hmm. um, well, I mean, you can get that no matter what. Even if you have counter staff, some people don't want to wait yeah. two minutes. Well, you could have yeah. three people in the shop and right. the counter staff can only deal with one. Exactly. Or they yeah. could be on the phone. Yeah. And then people are like, nah, screw mm -hmm. this. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, I don't find it affects me. I, I worked on my own literally when I first opened the studio for three years, and it was me in a shop. Mm -hmm. No tattoo artists, just me. So I was putting yeah. a back in five minutes sign on the door yeah. when I was going to do piercings because mm -hmm. it was upstairs in a different room. Yeah. And I made that work. Yeah. So. I remember a lot of that too because, I mean, I'm on my third studio now and my my first two. So I'm, as far as studio owner goes, I'm about 16 years in and I only had counter staff for the last probably three. 
So I, I totally know all yeah. that. Like, you know, back in five minutes, I, I really want lunch kind of things, yeah. you know, stuff like that, yeah. I totally think counter staff will probably be something I do at some point. Mm -hmm. um, but at the moment, I, I don't feel the need for it. Yeah. Um, it might be different if it was, like, if it was just me again, if it was piercing only again, mm -hmm. then I might feel like having someone else there would be handy. Well, it gets to a certain tipping point where, um, you know, because you, you, I would imagine you're similar to me. You want to give people an experience, not just a service. Yeah. So you want to be able to take the time and talk to them and explain why you're trying to steer them towards this certain thing or why they'd want to make this certain decision. Um, you know, and it gets to a point where if you're if you're piercing a lot of high volume, and uh, you you have to spend X amount of time in your your piercing studio uh, in your piercing area. It really helps to have someone at the counter that can kind of like prep those clients for you. You know, talk about jewelry and the quality and, and things like that. So it's definitely, I it's definitely, definitely the benefit beneficial. That side. Yeah. yeah. Um, at a certain point, though, but you know, if you don't feel like you you need it, then you know you're obviously doing well. It's yeah, it's going okay at the moment. Um, yeah. I'm pretty good at kind of bouncing between people in the waiting room. Mm -hmm. So you can have a chat with someone and go, "These are your options. Have right. a look." I'm going to come back in two minutes after you've had a look, right. and then. It, it doesn't feel like they're being pressured into buying something. Yeah, because they have just, time to digest it. Yeah. yeah, and then once they've had time looking at everything, you know they've fallen in love with something in the exactly. cabinet. That's when you can get a little bit more salesy. Mm -hmm. um, and they you know, they feel better because you have left them alone to make that decision right. on their own. Right. Even though they might not totally be making that mm -hmm. decision on their own, they've found their cabinet, yeah. whether it's the gold or the neo metal. Yeah, you can tell that thing where they're just like, oh, so all these options, and they keep coming back to this one. Oh, I really like this one, and, yeah. but this is nice, and this is nice, but this one, be like, just get that one. You yeah. know you want it. Yeah. You know you want it. It's like, even yeah. when you've gone in, that's an expensive BBLA piece. Like, right. You've looked at it 10 times. Mm -hmm. You're going to buy it at some point in your life. Yeah. Why not start? You know what it? always closes the deal for me if they keep looking in the, and I'm just like, oh, would you like me to take it, take that out of the case so you can yeah. see it closer? And like, well, why? Yes, I would. And it's like they they once they see it and they can yeah. kind of connect to it. It's it's put a glove on, hold it next to their face. Oh, exactly. Compliments your eyes. Yeah, it yeah, looks yeah. great. Oh, it looks fantastic <laughs> yeah. with your hair. Amethyst yeah. looks great on you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Some nonsense like that. It's, yeah. But you know you. Don't push something they've not looked at. Exactly. That's yeah. ridiculous. I, I don't like it when people are just like, hey, I got this. I got this new jewelry in that I really love, and I'm gonna just push it on every single client until I can sell it. I don't like that approach. No, the right person's yeah. gonna come for your piece of jewelry. Exactly. Always. Yeah. Um, I've yeah. got pieces in the shop that I've had for quite a while. Mm -hmm. They'll sell. I'm not worried about that. Yeah. Um, you know, they're just expensive. It's yeah. the right person that's gonna come and right. get it. Yeah. The the big lesson that I would always try to tell people is, um, you know, don't don't try to build your jewelry selection around what you really like. You oh, know? I made that mistake so yeah. oh, many times. I did too. <laughs> horrible, horrible mistakes. Yeah. You know, thousands of dollars of mistakes. Uh -huh. And now it's I have to pay I have to pay attention to my clients and what did they want, you know, what's popular for colors or styles or something like that. And I have to get something that, that people are going to want to buy, not just stuff that I want to constantly talk yeah. about how much I love it. I want the customers to love it and want to buy it. I remember when I first started stocking lots of neo metal. Mm -hmm. I, I have did you do the thing where you bought every color? Yep. Yep. Every color, every stone, every everything. Every so, size, yeah. Why did I buy the coral? No one buys this. Exactly. <laughs> I did the same thing, and now it's at the point where they they come out with all these new colors every year, and I don't even bother looking. It's just like yeah. I'll wait until people start to tell me that that's a popular color, and yeah. then I'll buy it. But yeah, I mean, I had for a long time, I had everything that Neo Metal made, and then I noticed that it's like, okay, I'm selling clear and mint green and arctic blue and maybe black and that's it you know and it's like why do i really need orange in yeah. eight options and yellow yeah. in eight and options and that's thing you don't just buy every color you buy every color and, and every, every size prongs and bezels yeah. and this and that yeah so whereas yeah. now i've pretty much got rid of prongs people don't buy any metal prongs because i've yep. got gold prongs right so people when they want to see the whole of a gem for mm -hmm. some reason preferring gold mm -hmm. and that's great yeah. um but with neo metal yeah it's similar to you so i've got clear crystals uh, white opals, 
Moonstone, Onyx. Moonstone? Yeah, Moonstone never worked for me. Flies out for me. Really? Yeah. Okay. Anything kind of a clear, milky, mm. like a clear color is always going to yeah, yeah. work. Yeah, w with colors like, um, but you know, sometimes you get new colors coming out like that ocean gray. Yeah. It, that's a pretty nice one. I love that. And it's yeah. sold better than I expected, which yeah. is great. Yeah. Um, people, because a lot of people don't like the the black Swarovski. It's mm. very dark, but people also don't want something quite as clear, especially guys. Right. right. They still want a bit of bling. Yeah. But well, you gotta you gotta have some light come through the stone for you to really you yeah. know, get any sort of like personality off of it. Yeah. yeah. Champagne as well. Yeah. Quite good. That's got a nice tone to it. I don't know if you get the same thing, but when people look at the case, they point at the champagne and they're like, "Oh, crystal. I want the clear one." Yeah. And then I'm like, "Oh no, no, that's not clear. That one's clear." And they're like, "Oh, well, no, I still like that one." Yeah. yeah. All the time. Yeah. 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 I don't know what it is. And you can make it look clearer if you put it in gold. If you yeah. anodize it, for some reason it, it makes it look clearer. Yeah, yeah, um, a darker color. Um, yeah, people seem to really like that one. Yeah, um, I, I think it looks. I look. It looks warm, you yeah. know, rather than than cold. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's not as in your face. Like mm -hmm. a clear crystal is blingy. Mm -hmm. It is. It is very in your face, and a lot yeah. of people don't want something quite that. Right. Uh, I, I do. I do notice the shift where um, my number one seller for a long time overall in the studio was uh, neo metal. Two millimeter white CZ in prong. You know yeah. that was that was it. That was bread and butter for you know nostril piercings and, and a couple other things. And now it's 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 really down on the list. And now it's white gold. You know two millimeter prong. You know yeah. so so that yeah. Um, so for nose piercings, I had the same. It was yeah. always a two mil new yeah. metal CZ. Right. Whereas now it's almost always a tribead gold cluster. Right. Okay. Going through loads of them because people yeah. like the simplicity of it. Mm -hmm. But it's not a plain ball. Yeah, plain I've, I've been noticing that, um, in, in my studio, we're we're changing our, our jewelry ordering to, to kind of reflect this. But I think the big trend over the next year is going to be raw gold without a gem in it. Yeah. Like different, you know, because hammered texture, people eat that stuff. Yeah, up. like a hammered lightning bolt. Yeah, people love that stuff. Yeah, yeah it's Harry Potter it, nerds. Yeah, 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 in the head. Um, right. But yeah, I've noticed that I sell way more plain gold mm -hmm. than I do gemmed gold. Yep. Yeah, yeah, those beaded gold rings. Uh, the the Sabrina line from yeah. uh, Anatometal and all, all that different stuff like you know it, it's that that's where it's at and you know it, I think the start of that trend was when seam rings came back in a huge way for nostrils and people didn't necessarily want gems bling on their nose they wanted just that that gold look so you know a nice now little Vaughn ring or yeah. the Latchmas yeah yeah Latchmas yeah. 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 yeah I think a lot of other piercings are starting to catch up to that where it's like people don't necessarily always want a gem on everything. But they, they still really love gold, and especially and rose gold. How's rose gold for you over here? Uh, less than white and yellow. It's really? my lowest selling gold. Really? Yeah. Wow. That's it's, my number one. Uh, people, yeah. yeah, I don't know. I don't know why people do buy it. Yeah. But so it's white, then yellow, then rose for you? Yellow, white, gold. Rose. Yellow first. Yeah, yeah, Okay. a lot of yellow. Nobody loves yellow gold in, in my studio anyway, maybe in other parts of the States. But um, I, I whenever I say... This is my titanium area, and this is all my gold jewelry. Uh, they say, "Oh, I don't, I don't wear I don't gold. Wear gold. Yeah. I, I don't wear gold." And it's like, "Well, you're wearing gold right now, yeah. you know, in your in your ears, but you're wearing uh, white gold or yeah. something like that, you know." And then then my pitch is always like, "Well, have you seen rose gold?" And yeah. then they're always like, "Oh, I, I love that. That looks great." And I'm like, "Oh, I, I love it too. You should buy it." But um, yeah, for whatever reason, I think people just equate the word gold with, with like. With yellow gold for sure, but it's like that's their mother's jewelry or their grandmother's jewelry. Or what they had their lobes pierced in Claire's with when they were a kid. Right. Big, ugly yellow yeah. thing. Yeah, and it was like plated. And very yellow yeah. as well. Yeah, not, yeah, yeah. Like, not like a nice mix of. Right. Um, so that, yeah, people, we get that all the time as well. Yeah. Like I've got my counter cabinet, it's my gold cabinet. Mm -hmm. And people will be looking at the neo metal and say, oh, this is our gold stuff. Yeah. If you want to have a look. And I never wear gold. Mm -hmm. like, we have white, we have rose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We can get black rhodium plated gold from BBLA. Right. Like, you can get 
a lot. Of, yeah. There, there are some times with my sales approach where I don't use the word gold and I just bring them over to that case and this I see like how they react metals. to it. Well, I, I just say, you know, like you can, I, I basically don't even talk about brands or materials until we get to a certain point in the conversation. I say, well, we've got this case over here, more of our basic options. And then we've got some, you know, more gemstones and things like that. I try to avoid using words like um, fancier bling, things like that with clients because I think sometimes subconsciously they relate that with like, well, this will cost more yeah. kind of thing. So I just say like, you know, well, we've got some gems over here, some more plain styles over here, and then I just see what they like. And then I'll start to say, oh, you know, gold, gems, you know, Swarovski, diamond, things like that. Yeah. It's and, definitely the way we work things as well. Like yeah. I said, when, especially when bouncing between customers who are looking around, right. it's very much a case of, well, here's our basics, like definitely have a look at these. Mm -hmm. These are the, you know, the basic, but prettier ends. And, yeah. and then we've got the more decorative stuff over here mm -hmm. um, and just let them make their way around it right. and see where they stop. Exactly. They're going to. I think that's what salesmanship is. Salesmanship isn't pushing, it's listening and, and getting the right thing for them. Yeah, I found I do a lot less because you're always going to get customers come in and go, I want the cheapest thing. Right. And that will be their, that will be what they say to mm -hmm. you. They won't look at any cabinets and yep. go, I want the cheapest things. Like, yeah. cool, this is my cheapest cabinet right. and my cheapest cabinet is my Neo Metal cabinet. Mm -hmm. Same. Um, the basics are right down at the bottom. They have to yeah. crouch to look at. I actually don't display even for neo metal. I don't display even don't a plain, plain ball. balls on. Nope. I have plain balls discs and their little texture discs, mm -hmm. so they're right down at the bottom. So people can people want to see a plain ball sometimes. And yeah, I get yeah. the theory of not putting it out. I have them in the back, and they say, "Oh, oh do you have a plain ball?" I'd be like, "Oh yeah, I totally do." You know, we keep those in the back, and you know, I I, I don't want to try to do this sleight of hand where it's like plain balls don't exist. You know, yeah. I, I don't want to do that. I, I put them there because. I can then go, it's actually only a few quid more to get this one yeah. that's above it and mm -hmm. transition them up onto the next display right. and then up even more to the flowers and the trinities. Right. And it's not that big a price jump. Mm -hmm. And that's the thing that's like... What, what I find that helps too is I don't give them super specific pricing. I don't yeah. say like, you know, you know this will be... Uh, 20 this will be 40 or something like that Give I just say oh, yeah I say oh this range is from like you know 20 to 40 well, you know what do you like yeah. and then then they point at what they like and they think that it's all 40 you know and they, they they're yeah. shocked when something is 25 or 30 or yeah. something yeah yeah even if you go like because you've got with neo metal you've got maybe 25 to 60 with a flower something mm -hmm. like that you know when they go oh I like this one well that one's only 40 right it's not 65 yeah and that's definitely a good way of selling kind mm -hmm. of your mid-tiered jewelry right um, without freaking them out. Even in the uh, the gold display, have the basic gold because that'll often get them into the display. Going, yeah. well, there's actually not that much more to go for this in gold. Isn't it funny that the industry has advanced to the point where we have terms like basic gold? Yeah. You know, like five years ago, I think <laughs> oh, I gold know, was a dream for yeah, people. Yeah. So, I mean, it's only yeah. been the last maybe year and a half I've had gold. Yeah. Um, I remember first buying Neo Metal. Mm -hmm. And that was a big step. Yeah. Um, I bought a, one of those 20 displays. Right. 20 the ends, starter packs. 20, it was before yeah. they did them, but it was okay. the same, same right. setup right. ultimately. It's all that in three days, and then I had nothing to do. Wow. Um, and you know, then transitioned as I have 500, I think, mm -hmm. ends just at any one time on display. Yeah. Um, but yeah, getting basic gold is, right. is yeah. lovely. Yeah. Uh, yeah it, I, same thing for me because when I started with gold, you know, I think a lot of people who are wanting to move into that that market, they they see BVLA as like that's that's the mountaintop, you know? So it's like, okay, I'm going to get some BVLA. And that can be really difficult for people because you have this enormous jump, you know, from from neo metal to you, some of the BVLA is a lot, but there's a lot of stuff. I think in a lot of people, yeah, people don't go for plain, simple, pretty gold. Yeah. People look at like a BVLA website or a Leroy website mm -hmm. and they'll look at you know, the, uh, the mill grain ends or the mm -hmm. harlequin ends that BVA right. people do, and they're beautiful, mm -hmm. but they're, they're kind of higher end. Right. They're going to be, you know, 
over £100 yeah. just for an end. Mm-hmm. But even BVLA, you can buy a simple yeah. 3B cluster or a yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, Deathly Hallow symbol mm-hmm. or something like that. They're not that expensive. Yeah. Really. Right, yeah. Um, it's a, it's affordable gold. For solid, yeah. you know, 14 yeah. or 18 carat gold. Mm-hmm. There's not a huge price difference in the two. Yeah. Um, you can have a basic gold range. Right. So don't go in there and buy loads of snowflakes right. and, you know, shop yeah. tour ends. And, and yeah, well, don't go into it thinking that, like, all your titanium is going to be your lower mid-range and then your gold is only your upper range. No. You can have tiers of your gold, yeah, but you yeah. can have, like, a medium, you know, high... I think I have three tiers of both. Yeah. So I've got plain titanium, mm-hmm. then I've got probably the neo-metal... You know, push fit yeah. ends and atom metal threaded ends flowers and then, things like yeah, that and yeah and then you go into the fancy clusters mm-hmm. and you know uh, the industrial bars with the center points and right. the threaded ends from an atom metal which mm-hmm. are fantastic yeah but they're the, the high end titanium right. pieces but do the same with gold like mm-hmm. have your have a plain gold ball people yeah. like plain gold or those tri beads yeah yeah the tri beads yeah. four beads yeah. um discs you know, textures yeah hammer yeah. discs are great yeah. um but even things like the lightning bolts the moons mm-hmm. they're not a lot right get them in i mean right. yeah the rings seam rings cheap mm-hmm. when you start putting beads on it's a little bit more yeah but still affordable yeah yeah and um, then you can move into you know gold with maybe synthetic stones yeah and then you can do those crazy blinged out diamond yeah. things you know i mean i don't sell a lot of uh i, I don't sell a lot of diamonds yeah. um the way i've done it is because people associate bvla with the highest end right i only do genuine stones mm-hmm but you can still get a white sapphire, right? Which is a lot cheaper than a yep. diamond, yep. and it's a genuine stone. Are you familiar with mosonite? Yeah, yeah. So, um, mosonite's a good example too for a larger stone. Yeah, I know a lot of people that wear that in, in engagement rooms because mm-hmm. you can get a massive rock, right? And yeah. it looks great. Yeah, yeah. Basically, for me, um, if it's anything like two millimeter or under, I'll focus more on a white diamond. If it's anything over two millimeter, unless they specifically request a diamond, yeah. then you know a mosonite kind of thing. Yeah. White sapphires, I tried for a little while, but I found that they don't have that that as much fire and sparkle and clarity. Yeah. So I kind of started to move away from those. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I'd use BVLA as my solid gold, genuine stone. Sure. I don't use any. Swarovski That's smart though to, to keep that brand strong and not dilute it by yeah. putting in a lot of synthetic stones. So exactly. So we, if someone requests it, that's great. Like mm-hmm. if someone wants a beaded chocolate end and they want a Swarovski, we can order that in, but I won't stock it. Right. Um, and then I'll use companies like Leroy or Anatom Metals Gold, mm-hmm. and I'll use that with Swarovskis mm-hmm. because they're great mm-hmm. and they look lovely. Yeah. But they make it more affordable for people who will then hopefully come back and right. go, actually, can I get it with a diamond? Yeah. Yeah, sure. The the Neo Metal Gold line, I, I've expanded that pretty aggressively over the last year or two. That's the only one I don't use. Really? I don't use Neo Metal's Gold. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Not Neo Metal. Anatom Metal. Anatom Metal. Right. Uh, Neo Metal was actually probably my first like dip into gold because I was already using so much of their titanium. Uh, you know, they don't, they don't make it in house. You know, they kind of they have a, a third party vendor. And, um, you know, it, it, it worked. It worked for a little while, but then I, st- I, I wanted too many different options. I felt it wasn't and, big enough. Yeah, it's not, it's not a wide enough line. And I, people know Neo Metal is pretty much my basic range. Right. And I think it's nice that they come in and just go, okay, this is pretty basic stuff. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, I don't know why it, I just felt like it would make that look like, because I keep it in the same cabinet, I'm mm-hmm. branded, my, my everything sectioned yeah. up into brand rather than uh, body part or, mm-hmm. or style. Right. Um, so I didn't want to then go, well, this cabinet ranges from £20 mm-hmm. to £200. Right. right. Um, so it keeps everything within a nice price bracket. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
and that metal slightly different, I guess, because that I do their titanium and their gold. Mm-hmm. Their gold is in. But you don't store them next to each other. I would imagine no. you're just. So I've got a metal titanium. Right. Then I've got my gold cabinet, which is sectioned from a metal yeah. Roy and BVLA. What do you think about the the piercers who are starting to move away from branding company names and moving to branding their personal studio and just saying, well, it's it's just it's all jewelry. It's it's jewelry that's carried at you know X studio rather than a metal Leroy body gems body vision. I. I can kind of see what they're doing, mm-hmm. and they're they're making them the advert. Right, they're the draw. But people do know brands. Yeah, and definitely. especially some of the brands that like work really hard on social media. Yeah, and yeah. I, I think it's a little bit unfair on the brand mm-hmm. because they work their asses off. A yeah. lot of them, you yeah. know, they deserve some credit mm-hmm. for making the beautiful jewelry. Right. We don't do that. Right, right. So, and some of them work really hard to support. Studios yeah, too, like a good example, Body Vision. Like they only sell through studios. They don't do you know yeah. retail websites. They don't do you know other third party websites, things like that. And they're lovely. Yeah, you know, yeah, these, yeah. And they're incredibly nice people. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Everyone I speak to, whether it's you know Julia Leroy mm-hmm. or Todd at Anatomy, yeah, you know, they will help you do everything. Yeah, give them some credit. Yeah, like yeah. I don't watermark all my piercing photos with jewelry brands. Right. Because I'll, I'll hashtag them or I'll, yeah, I'll totally. tag them on posts. Yeah. But I'm not gonna. I, I see lots of people like putting the IS stamp on mm-hmm. or the you know the BVLA stamp. I don't on. go quite that far because yeah. they're they're not putting my logo on their adverts. But yeah. yeah. Although they do yeah. occasionally share them. Well, yeah, that's a good point. Um, yeah. But then if they do that, I I'll often make when I get a delivery, for example, mm-hmm. if I want to push a new range say I, the last one I had I got a Leroy delivery in Yeah, I did a, a post where I had the Leroy logo in the middle mm-hmm. and then the jewellery around the outside well that's great to, to to draw people in who are looking for those brands but the, the big thing it is also it also opens them up to those brands it does yeah and it, it's like oh oh, hey I haven't heard of this new brand yet. and then when they start to look at it and they start to notice all these other places that are selling it and using yeah. it yeah um, but, but just like you mentioned like some of these companies it, it's fantastic to, to know a point person at these companies like Leroy, you know, you have Julie and you have Terry and then, you know, Body Vision, you have Nick and at IS you have like JD and you have Jonathan and, and, and we've got Patty over here doing that. Yeah, and Patty. And the great thing is like they they want you to get better. They want you to grow just, yeah. just like they want to grow. And they've helped me become a better piercer because I remember like especially a really good example is, is Nick at Body Vision. Um, when I was just kind of dipping my toes in for gold, it was like, you know, everything was like clear stone, clear stone, clear stone or turquoise or something like that. And I, I messaged him and I was like, hey, can you teach me a little bit about stones? Like what's available with different colors? Like what do you suggest? Like what do you think would complement this piece? You know, what color gold yeah. should I get for what color stone? And they're really willing to help like educate you and, and help you get better. Yeah, yeah. and that's definitely, you know, they deserve, as I said, they deserve credit for they that. Do. They do, they you do. Know, I, I, they support us just as much as we support. If they right. weren't there making the jewelry and right, what would we do? Exactly, yeah, we're yeah. not going to make it. We'd ourselves. be putting O-rings on needles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, we'd still be using externally threaded. Crap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, they're, they're pushing the industry just as much as we are. Mm-hmm. Um, without you know, so I, I, I can get why people are just branding it as their studio. Yeah, but I think you can comfortably do both. Yeah, without you, you definitely can. I mean, you can build up your own brand and you can say like, you know, we proudly support and carry these lines. And yeah. you know, if you feel like there is a jewelry company that's not supporting you or the studio or the industry, then you can, you can make a decision to go to somebody else. Yeah. But you know, um, all the studios I carry, like. It, not only do I know the name of the owner, but I, I usually know the name of the people making the jewelry or taking the orders and like they're all there to help. Like Gorilla yeah. Glass is amazing, you know, Jason and you know, Jimmy Buddha and all, all those companies. Like they're they're such good people. Yeah. You know? And it, you know, you can just have a chat with them. Right. Like, you know, the amount of times I've just emailed John at Neometal mm-hmm. 
for prices or an order right. or what have you. Right. You end up back and forthing a few emails and exactly. having a chat. And same with yeah, Stephen yeah. when he was at an Atomel. You yeah, exactly. Them. Yeah, you know, it would get to the point where um, sometimes you would exchange like maybe like a mobile number or something and it's like, oh, you know, if you ever have a problem with an order, let me know. And then a couple months down the road, you're just texting about like movies or shows yeah. or family stuff. Me or and Stephen had a big chat about cider. I yeah. live in the West Country, he likes cider. Yeah. So we ended up chatting about that. Yeah. I just did a painting for Todd because mm-hmm. we just, you know, yeah. you chat and yeah, you get to great. know people on a personal level. Yeah. As opposed to just these are the people giving me my metal mm-hmm. bits, right? You know, they, right. they are a lot more than that, and right. I think some people don't realize they are a lot more than mm-hmm. that. We depend on them; they depend on us. Yeah, yeah. and we all depend on each other to get better. They're, right? You know, yeah. They're trying to improve every day, just as much as we're trying to improve. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I, I said I, I market myself. I think mm-hmm. it's stupid not to. I'm not yeah. just an, an a metal stockist. Right, right. You know, I am who I am, and offer what I offer. Mm-hmm. But part of that is these wonderful, amazing brands. Right. Um, so, yeah, I, I try and encapsulate all of that into any of my marketing. Yeah, and I mean, that doesn't mean that you have to, like, wear oh, no, a BVLA shirt all day yeah. and, like, like you're a race car or something no, like that. I'll, but, yeah, yeah, there's a happy medium, definitely. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So we're, we're both at the, the UK APP seminars in, in Birmingham, and um, I feel like, like this is probably becoming one of my favorite conferences not to say anything negative about other conferences but uh just the energy here is so great and like seeing the community grow year by year because i was at the the first meetup that was just in the the basement of a nightclub yeah three years ago yeah yeah three yeah but that's the crazy part how much it's three years ago and now we're here at the radisson hotel They've expanded into like more classrooms, adding extra days, yeah, yeah all that stuff. And like, vendors coming from everywhere, like right. vendors such as Sacred right. Symbols and Mayer, yeah, who Neil Med, yeah, they're not based over here, right, you right. Know, it's hassle for them to come do this. Like yeah. yourself coming from America, you, it's it's a long way, yeah. And this has expanded to the point where people are coming from Europe just to attend, mm-hmm. you know. And right, because there are attendees from Croatia, from Norway, Holland, yeah, Holland, yeah, um, and. I don't think you know they ever expected it to get this big. No, I don't but I think, think so either. I think part of the reason the energy is so good, though, is because we haven't had this before. Right. Like our learning has been done either just with your mentor, mm-hmm. if you had a mentor, um, or if you were lucky enough to use I am back in the day, you yep. might have picked up some things right. from them. Right. Or online forums where you're back and forth. But mm-hmm. a lot of it, especially ten years ago when I you know, was in my early kind of career, you didn't speak to anyone. You right. didn't speak to other piercers. In it was person. almost adversarial, or, or it was more competitive. Yeah, even if that piercer was the other end of the country, you, you, you for some reason, it, you just didn't talk right. to anyone. It was this is mine. Yeah, I don't want to share it with you. There was a lot yeah. less knowledge being shared. So now that there's this opportunity for people to not only learn, which is amazing, and people get really amped up about learning simple things. Right. It's meeting other people. Yeah. It's meeting your peers mm-hmm. who are trying to better themselves but also they'll help you get better yeah, yeah um and i think i hope it doesn't stagnate i hope it doesn't get to the point where it becomes ritual and you just go i don't into it. i don't see that happening with this group i really hope it doesn't because yeah. it it is like you said there is an energy about it mm-hmm. people are very excited yeah. and really looking forward to it and the guys that, that are on the board have, have done great and, yeah you know, it's a lot of work and yeah. I'm sure that'll change the same as the APP board members change yeah. and then things will I'm also of... starting to, to notice that like Nikki Holmes is kind of superhuman yeah yeah. Um, so it'll, it will kind of you know everything's going to change and yeah. develop and grow mm-hmm. and, but it's exciting yeah and it really is it's yeah. Yeah, I never thought I'd see something like this. No, I mean, like, at, at first, I was like, okay, great. You know, they have the whole, like, meetup structure, you know, yeah. and you'll, you'll get 
20 or 30 people together, you know, they'll sit down and have coffee or maybe a beer or something like that. And, yeah. and, and that's share much what the first year was. Essentially, also. yeah. You know, uh, and then seeing that jump from year one to year two was pretty huge. And then seeing the jump from year two to year three is pretty huge. So who knows what's going to happen next, next year, year and beyond. Yeah. yeah. It's, I can only imagine it getting bigger. Yeah. And, you know, it's probably never going to be APP or Bally's big. Well, I mean, don't say never because... Well, I only say never because there's less people in the UK. Well, yeah, there's less people in the UK, <laughs> but... Uh, the APP is a is an international destination, and and that's starting to happen here, yeah. where it's it's starting to become an international destination conference. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I mean, half the speakers I think are flown in from abroad. Yeah. This year. Yeah, but the the thing that I really like about uh, this conference is that you're not trying to just have it be a bunch of American instructors and you sit and listen. Yeah. You know, because spoke... oh, that's where all the secrets are. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. They're not. I mean. Yeah. I, I mean, I was. For some reason, asked to speak. Yeah. And um, yeah, who knows why? <laughs> and when I was chatting to um, Aiden and Charlie and Nicole about it, they won a, a, I think at least half they were saying, but the majority of the speakers to be British, right, or European. That's important too because the the industry can only advance so much if you're relying on your information from other parts of the world. Yeah, but yeah. also we've traditionally we have done things very differently to you guys in America. Mm -hmm. Traditionally, we use cannulas yeah. in Europe, yeah. and you know. There's a lot of places not wanting to do that, wanting mm -hmm. to branch into blades for, for the benefits that there are. Yeah. But they haven't had the confidence or the training to do so. Right. Whereas places like this are, are giving people that confidence. Mm -hmm. And it's great having an American come and teach things like that where they yeah. are much more used to it. Because well, it's a good it's a good um, boost. It's a, it's yeah. a good jump start, really. But I, what I really do like about this year in particular is there are so many UK-based instructors and you're, you're building up like a credible talent pool for, yeah. for the future. Yeah, I think that's something that there's kind of, there hasn't been as well. Right. There, there hasn't been... Industry of, leaders. Yeah. Right. Like well-known pieces in the UK. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, you can look at a, an American list and go, I know them, I know mm -hmm. them, I know them, I've seen them. Right. I, I, you know, yeah. you get your, your Jeff Saunders and your Ryans and Yay. other people. <laughs> um, and you just recognize their work, right. you recognize their name and, mm -hmm. and you go, they're people who want to emulate. And now... You've got pieces in the UK who are offering that same standard, right? Um, like I remember when I was first starting, and like there was a lot of people you'd kind of do a bit of online stalking with, especially when I am was a thing, mm -hmm. and you could pe follow people like Sean Phillips, right, and, and right. stuff like that. And now I chat to him, mm -hmm. yeah, <laughs> and he's lovely as as just <laughs> colleagues too. They're not like talking down, yeah, yeah. And you know, it's it's getting that way over here. Mm -hmm. As I said before, there was this kind of. You just didn't talk to everyone else, right? And and that was a bit isolating. Like, well, I can see a lot of I can see a lot of um, mirroring in the the U.S. industry versus the the current U.K. industry. So when I first got into piercing, it was I wouldn't say it was quite as adversarial, but there was really no one for me to reach out to yeah. in my area. And I, then I wouldn't have said we were adversarial. I don't. Yeah. I don't think we ever had people. I don't think if you ever went to talk to someone, mm -hmm. they'd tell you to f off. Right. I just don't think you did that. It, it wasn't, just, yeah, it wasn't, a, maybe adversarial is not the right word, but it wasn't as communal, Yeah. basically. So in, in the States, you know, the thing that really started to break down that barrier wasn't the APP, because a lot of people, when I first started piercing, it was, you know, oh, you know, screw the APP, they're all pretentious, you know, they, they, they it's the cool kids club and they don't even want to let you in. Yeah. Uh, and then I am and BME really started to break down that door, where everybody started talking and then it was like, hey... Let's go to the APP conference. I'll meet you there and we can hang out. And yeah. that's kind of what's going on now where 
you know, you might have known that, oh, hey, there's a good piercer here, there's a good piercer here, but I've never met them, I've I never talked that, to them, shaking it, their hand. It definitely feels like that's how it started, because I remember I am when I was 16. That's, right. you know, I was a fairly active member of the community. I spoke to a lot of people and learned a lot from it. When this started, like the UK APP thing, it was under the tag of a UK Pearson meetup. Mm-hmm. And it felt very similar in that it was just people talking, right. little off-topic kind of forums and stuff. Yeah. And it wasn't focused around a pretentious group right. trying to do something to boost their egos right. or right. to have their little club like mm-hmm. people might have seen the APP in the beginning. Yeah. It was very much... Justifiably, too. Yeah. It was, yeah. It was very much a case of, let's just chat mm-hmm. and maybe get drunk somewhere yeah. and yeah. have a chat. And right. I, you know, I remember being 18... And on I am and being so jealous that I couldn't go to the barbecues mm-hmm. and things like that. You know, I was 18 year old. I couldn't fly out to right. things like that. And that's I think a lot of learning can be done in a social situation Absolutely. as opposed to yeah. a conference. I mean, yeah. they're great, but yeah. I've learned just as much chatting to people. At the the bar curriculum afterwards. is really fantastic here. But even if you removed the curriculum, just having everybody together in one place where they're yeah. talking is is a huge deal. Because you just can't put pieces together without yeah. them talking about work. Right. Right. Like we can yeah. sit and have a chat about other things in life and stuff. Sure. But at some point, sure. you're going to say, "Oh, I saw that photo of you exactly. using a telescopic blank." Right. Right. How do you do it? Yeah. And it just comes up, and then mm-hmm. someone else will ask something about how you, you know, do something else. And yeah, it, yeah. you know, it, it was that meeting that needed to happen. Exactly. And those guys yeah. got everyone together and made it happen. It's really good too to to see the industry leaders, the natural, organic industry leaders start to emerge. You know, because you you give someone like you or someone like Lola a chance to like speak in front of an audience, and people can be like, wow, like. I never knew that this person knew so much and can share so much information. You know, I don't want to like, you know, boost your ego or anything like that. But, you know, it is good to see that because when you have those small interactions with people, it'd be like, wow, they're, they're a pretty impressive piercer. You're like, they, we need to get them out in front of more people so that they can share what they know and then they build up this next generation that's that's going to be these impressive piercers coming yeah. along. Yeah. I think that's the thing. There's a lot of piercers here um, who are very young and very, like, in the infancy of their careers and they're getting so much more information than, yeah. than we ever got at their right, age. Right, right. And in, I can't wait to see how those guys are piercing in 10 years. Exactly, yeah. It's going to be amazing. In the States now, there's this whole generation of people that are really, really young and, uh, you know, maybe not so much age-wise, but in the, in their career, yeah. who are um, really impressive because they, they didn't have to start, like, trying to figure it out and scrounging through internet forums, you know? Like, yeah. they got to go and, and learn from the best, yeah. and then now they're becoming the best. You know, yeah. you have people like, you know, I, again, I don't want to boost anybody's egos, <laughs> but you have people like, you know... Tobias and Roy Fowler and you have all these people that kind of coming up through the industry and it's like well okay now I can see the future of the industry five years from now who's going to be teaching all the classes and, and stuff like that you know yeah. and it's I see the same things here I start to notice all these people like wow like you know you're, you're really well spoken and you can really you can give information to people and articulate it really well and I think things are going to start to make big jumps here yeah I, I, yeah. I feel the same way I think it's definitely going to be a, a big shift like I I didn't get a traditional apprenticeship mm-hmm. so I literally had to wing it for yeah. a long time using external jewelry cannula needles big tools mm-hmm. all, all that and just and just you know hope that I didn't kill someone yeah 
I didn't. <laughs> well, fine. Crossed, yeah. But it was one yeah. of those, you know, I, I wish I'd had the information before right. now. I had I am and I did get yeah. I got slated on that site. Mm-hmm. And I think everyone did at some point. If they mm-hmm. were young using that, you'd post oh, yeah. a picture up and yeah. it wasn't as polite as people are now. Well back in the IM days, that's you know, I was using external thread a lot of we, we talked about earlier with my jewelry, like that's when I was like black line Ryan. Yeah. It was all <laughs> crappy, plated, you know, lots of I, I wore acrylic for a while and you know, yeah. <laughs> So uh, you know, that helped me kind of move past that stage yeah. in my career. Just like this, this conference might help people maybe move past that stage of their career where they don't, you know, if they want to use cannulas, keep using cannulas. Yeah, yeah, but totally. if they've always wanted to use blades, like this is the kind of event you come to to be able to learn to get how to that transition. information. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's I spoke to a few people, and it is that it's a different way of working with a blade and a cannula. Obviously, a cannula you pierce through, and then you follow the jewelry from the sharp end because mm-hmm. the needle's gone. Yeah. Whereas with a blade, you either have to learn how to reverse the direction of your needle mm-hmm. or pierce the opposite way. Right. And that's it, it's a big jump for mm-hmm. people who haven't used a cannula. Yeah. That's a, a big change. Mm. It sounds simple. Yeah, but it's but not. Learning to do a tragus back to front yeah. is hard. Yeah. One hey, of the I'm going to have a I've... video of one of those in my freehand class tomorrow. Excellent. Yeah. It's one of the hardest things I've done. Yeah. Um, and also just different ways of, of backing, a ne- mm-hmm. like backing a needle out. Right. You know, it, it makes a massive difference once you know a simple trick yeah, to do yeah. it. Because it, it is ultimately a simple trick. There are all those a... light, light bulbs going off yeah. at a conference like this. You know, I remember when I was doing, for a long time, my nostrils wore um, receiving tube inside the nostril, yeah. pierce outside to in, and then I would put the, uh, when I started switching over to, to neo-metal, I would start putting the, the taper in the sharp end of the needle and putting it through this way and then jewelry from the inside out. And then I talked to a friend of mine who was just like, why don't you just you know, reverse it the other way. Put the pin taper in the end of the needle and run that through. And I was like, yeah. oh my God, yeah. I never thought of that. Yeah. yeah. And you feel like an idiot. You it's really like, do. Oh my God, you that's really the do. simplest thing yeah. in the world. And then when somebody like like Brian Skelly was like, why don't you just pierce it from the inside out? And yeah. I was like, oh my God, I never thought of that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But I, I was chatting to someone downstairs a minute ago um, about piercing inside our nostrils. Mm-hmm. And they're like, well, how do you keep the trance? Use a connecting pin. Right. Like, yeah. you don't have to worry about butting up. Like, right. just this tiny little bit of wire will yeah. hold on to everything. Yeah, you can yeah, pull yeah. the needle. It's going to come clean The out. cheapest thing in the world, half yeah. a pen. Yeah. 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 And um, and people just, you see their eyes widen of like, oh. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I remember all of those moments. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's almost like, um, this must be what it's like to have like a child and watching them walk for the first time. It's like, I remember when I was like amazed by these these things too. And it's like, yeah. it's so great to see the, the, the next generation kind of connect with that information and, and really start to like see, see where they go with the information. Yeah. It's great. It's, as I said, it, it, for me, it's seeing it so soon. Like, yeah. These are like 20 year olds mm-hmm. who know more or than right. I knew when I was 28. Right. And right. that's amazing. I think about, you know, I, I, I don't regret anything at any stage of my career. You know, like I wouldn't be where I am if I, I didn't oh, totally. make all those mistakes. But uh, I can only imagine like where I would have been able to go or how, how much faster I would have been able if to get. If someone else had made your mistakes for you. Well, kind of, yeah. <laughs> you know, like if, if I could have learned um, one year in what it took me five or ten years in to, to learn, yeah. like who knows what I could have built on that kind of foundation. Yeah. I mean, I, I started my, my class saying I've been piercing for 14 years. Yeah. I've been a good piercer for between five and seven. Right. I, I, I opened my, my studio in 2000 and I wasn't an APP member until 2011. Yeah. Yeah, it's. I mean, I'm still not, and yeah. I've had my studio for Hack. ten years. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's harder in the UK. Well, what, what do you think holds you back? Um, honestly, it's been 
initially it was working with the tattoo artists right and i never felt like my processing room was good enough which right. is why i switched to disposable mm -hmm. and honestly the last two years it's been time yeah um you know there's still some tweaks that i want to make mm -hmm. and you know, I think I, you might be falling into that trap of you want it to be perfect before you apply. Yeah, I've, not like I've got a feeling I, before you apply. I've got a feeling I meet minimum standards. I'm I'm fairly certain you would. Um, you know, I have all the things you need. Mm -hmm. like I work disposable. I have HEPA filters. I've got first aid. Yeah, bloodborne. All, all that. So right. yeah, I I think it would be. I don't think I'm missing anything. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, I'm probably being a little bit too picky. Yeah, well, picky can be okay sometimes. Um, what about UK APP membership? Are you a member there? Uh, no, yeah. and I don't think I, at the moment, I know they're changing some things. I can't get a membership because they require the use of an ultrasonic, and I don't use want to use a steam cleaner. So they don't have an exemption for disposable? Uh, it's it's more for cleaning jewelry. Right. It, so they, they expect you to ultrasonic all your jewelry okay. from display, whereas I anodize everything and steam clean everything. Right, okay. So until they allow that little exemption, right. I'm kind of... Right. on the outskirts of that. But they've talked about it in the meeting. Yeah, I mean, so. that seems like something doable, you know, yeah. because, I mean, you, you have the same functionality. Like, I don't I don't use uh, uh, ultrasonic for most of my jewelry yeah. lines. I, I would if it came with, like, you know, machining debris on yeah. it or something like that. But, yeah, steam cleaning, anodizing. Yeah. So I, I, yeah. I very much learned from Brian anodize. I anodize mm. everything right. to, to passivate the jewelry. So right. they get high polish. They don't get a choice of plain polish. Are you talking posts only or Post, pieces also? Uh, well... If it's a CBR, right. do the whole thing. Okay. Um, they don't get a choice of playing yeah. um, anymore. I so to, I don't think there's that big a. De uh, do you uh, ever get people like that just don't want that ice blue and they want silver? I've never had someone complain about it. Okay. Because I don't tell them. Right. Um, I don't have it in my color cabinet, so mm -hmm. I've got a display of the different colors jewelry can have, mm -hmm. starting with bronze. Okay. And then one's called high polish. Okay. And people go, I just want plain silver. Hmm. Sweet. And that, that's what they get. Okay. Um, How's your green? Um, my green's pretty good. Yeah. Um, every now and again, I'll completely balls it up. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's I'm not too bad at green. Yeah, I, I I'm actually debating taking green out of my display and just like teal is the highest I can offer you. There's a there's a video of me making green on the UK. Yeah. Thing. Um, I found the trick to making green was firstly getting your solution right. Mm -hmm. Um, but submerge it. Don't hold on a grabber mm -hmm. and tap until have it on about eighty volts and tap. So you get to a nice kind of purpley color, mm -hmm. and then crank it up to 105 and hold. Mm -hmm. Just tap it on and hold it on there, and that seems to work for me. Yeah, I, I've done similar, and I can I can get a pretty decent green. But if it's something, um, luckily no one asked for it because it's hideous. Yeah. Well, oh, no, no. I sometimes <laughs> oh. I the thing that drives me bananas is when I when people look at the display, most of the time they're going to be picking like blurple, something oh, like that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's that's the big thing it's for me. Massive for me as well. Yeah. Blurple and bronze. It probably those are my I'd my tops. I love to use more bronze. Yeah. I love. See, the thing about it is, I drive people towards it. I'm just like, hey, you know, what do you think about bronze? I think it would really make that gemstone pop. Blah blah blah. Yeah. But uh, a lot of times people are just like, ooh, I love that green, and I'm like, ah. Oh, yeah, and there are some pieces where I'm like, yeah, no problem. But then if it's like a if it's kind of a pricier piece or something with like a lot of components or maybe yeah. like a large threaded end or something like that, it's like, oh, like I please don't make me try to do green on this. Do you just please. honestly explain to them yes, that it's yeah. so difficult? I tell them like, well, okay, that's the highest voltage color, and think of it like cooking. You know, it's really easy to overcook this yeah. food, and you might get more of like a grayish pastel kind so of. So if green. you burn the jewelry, yeah. What do you then do? Because you're obviously not going to charge your client for it. Do you take home and polish it? Do you send uh, it back? I, I don't. I don't do any in-house polishing. I don't send anything back for polishing. Early on, I would just I would absorb the cost. I would just yeah. eat it. And uh, but now it's at the point where I'm just like, 
please don't make me do this. Yeah. You know, I, I tell them, I was like, how about a nice teal? You know, because like I feel very confident with my you teal. You can get a teal, yeah. Exactly, yeah. Uh, and most of the time people are totally fine with that. But you know, if it's if it's something small and like, you know, if, if it's a plain barbell, it'd be like, sure, let's roll those dice. Yeah. And if it doesn't work, then maybe I'll grab another one and try it again. Yeah, I yeah. usually try twice. If mm. I've tried twice and failed twice, yeah. I'm done trying. Yeah. Um, but I never get people ask for green. I really Once love that oblivion. opalescent green you can get with niobium. Yeah, yeah. that's nice. And it, yeah. niobium, harder to burn. Right. Um, so yeah. I, all my CBRs, uh, niobium. I don't mm -hmm. use any titanium ones anymore. Yeah, I use titanium for uh, uh, probably 12 gauge and up. But anything, oh, yeah, 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 bigger ones. 14 gauge and down, yeah, all niobium. Yeah, and I think a lot of people are surprised by that. I was mm -hmm. chatting to because someone asked in, the, in my class about whether I'm using any tools for bending rings. Right. Like, You're like, oh, I'm using I don't need them. Yeah. yeah. They just do this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that was, yeah, a big change using mm -hmm. them. They're, they're lovely. Yeah. And I, it was ordering seam rings and them getting more and more popular mm -hmm. in septums and nostrils. And I was like, why aren't I just ordering captives? You know, I actually, uh, I stopped carrying uh, all non-gold seam rings. Yeah. yeah, because my whole thing was like, you know, everybody wants the gold, and it's like, do I really want to split the market? Same thing, same thing with other like, you know, end pieces and things like that. So now it's just just gold. If yeah. people want that silver look, they're getting white gold. Yeah, yeah. I think that's fair enough. Yeah, um, yeah. White gold's what we sell to people when they come in and go, oh, I can only wear silver. Well, see, you, right. That's obviously not true. But yeah, yeah, you yeah. have white gold, which has the same white color as right. silver. It's not as shiny and metally mm -hmm. as titanium, and they're instantly like, yeah, we'll buy this then. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I haven't thought about just getting niobium, uh, getting rid of the niobium kind of. Do it. I, I definitely do it for uh, you know. I, I have a line of, of CBRs, BCRs. Uh, if people want those like very plain options, I, I'd have them. You know, yeah. but uh, seam rings. I also don't really care for seam rings that just have that flat edge. I like a like a the cup and divot kind of thing. You know, I get them all through Body Gems, and they're awesome with making them. Okay. Yeah. I will definitely give that because I use all my seam rings have been from Leroy, but they are flat edged. Mm -hmm. um, very nice. Yeah, I mean, like Terry is such like an open guy when it when it comes to like tweaks. I'm uh, fairly sure if I asked for a cup and divot, they'd make a cup. I'm and sure divot. he would. Yeah. yeah, I mean, there have been lots of things where I've I've sent a sketch to Terry and I've been like, hey, um, could you make this for me? And he's like, yeah, totally. I'll have you a prototype in two weeks. You know, like I went through a whole process. Like he he made he started making um, four facing gem barbells for nipples. It just you know, and it was like this great process going back and forth with him. He was sending me pictures and then when he started having some he sent me prototypes and I was like hey this would be great but can you you know make this a little bit flatter on the, the bottom and this and that and he's like yep totally I'll have you another prototype in a couple of weeks and it was such a nice process. So that goes back to what we were talking about jewelry companies. Exactly. You get that bond where if you right. need something right one of them is going to get it for you. Right. Um, yeah. You know whether it's you want a certain stone if someone mm -hmm. comes in and says I want this it's my birthstone. Yeah. One of these companies is going to find you that stone. Yeah. No matter how hard it is to mm -hmm. find. If you want a like you know, a Sabrina end connected to, I, I got a Sabrina end connected to another diamond. Yeah. Um, made on a curve, mm -hmm. on fixed onto a curve bubble for a rook. Yeah. Yeah, it didn't exist, but, right. you know, message to time. It's like, yeah, we can do that. Yeah, and, yeah. And, you know, that's, that they deserve that credit. Exactly. Not us. We can right. draw whatever. And right. Go, can you make this? Right. They've got to figure out how to practically yeah. make Yeah, well, there's that. that bottleneck of like, sure, we can, we can be the most brilliant person at coming up with an idea, but we're not making it. Yeah. 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 If you can make it, great. Yeah, well, okay, maybe with the exception of, like, Michael Knight or something like that, yeah. like, in the States. But, uh, yeah, it, yeah. He does both. He thinks of great things and makes great yeah, things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a special guy. 
Um, so uh, talk again about where people can find you. I think we've been chatting for like an hour at this point, or more than more than an hour. But oh, this will need some heavy editing. Yeah, well, like, <laughs> just I'll get rid of all of yours, and it'll just be me talking one sided <laughs> for a half an hour. Uh, so where where can people find you again uh, online and in the physical um, world? In the physical world, I'm in Bath at Broad Street Studio. Uh, the website's BroadStreetStudio.co.uk, um, and you can find me on Instagram as just another piercer. Okay. Um, so yeah, get in touch. Well, thanks for talking to me. It's been a pleasure. All right, so just one quick thing I want to touch on because we mentioned it in the interview. Um, Mike was concerned that he wouldn't be able to meet UK APP membership criteria because they require people to process brand new jewelry with an ultrasonic when it comes in from the manufacturer. Um, I actually got clarification from Nikki Holmes, the, the UK APP president, that they do have an exemption for people who process their brand new jewelry via either anodizing or steam cleaning. So that means you have no excuses, Mike. Uh, you got to join the UK APP and uh, I'll probably join too at some point. So thanks for sitting down and uh, talking to me. Um, it was a nice conversation. Uh, I'm not really sure what's going to be on next week. So as you listen to this, I'll be heading back from Germany and uh, I'm sure I'm going to have quite a few interviews uh, from Camp APP and from BMX. So I'm looking forward to that. I still have a few uh, interviews left from uh, UK APP. I uh, should have some good ones coming up, but uh, I'm really excited to see where the, the show's going. I'm really starting to have fun with these interviews. I'm starting to get a lot of nice feedback from different piercers and, and friends, you know, all around the world saying that they, they really enjoy the show and uh, the topics we're discussing. So uh, if you want to see anything in the future, feel free to reach out to me on Facebook, uh, Piercing Wizard Podcast, or you can send me an email, piercingwizard at gmail.com. So I'll see you next week, and thanks for listening. For more information about the show, visit piercingwizardpodcast.com or like Piercing Wizard Podcast on Facebook. For more info about your host, visit precisionbodyarts.com or search Ryan PBA on Facebook, Instagram, and Tumblr. If you enjoy the show, you can subscribe on iTunes, Apple Podcast, and Google Play. Music by Benny B. Blanco. Show copyright 2017, Precision Body Arts, LLC. All rights reserved. Let's play a game, all right? On the count of three, name your favorite dinosaur. Don't even think about it. Just name it. Ready? One, two, three. Velociraptor. Favorite non-pornographic magazine to masturbate to. Good housekeeping. If you were a chick, who's the one guy you would sleep with? John Samos. What? Did we just become best friends? Yep.